Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, good morning. Brent and I got the uh, pink shirt memo today. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah, Sam, thank, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Am I in the middle here, Julie? Is this good right here? I've not seen the tape. There we go. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, my name is Wes, associate pastor here at North. Been here for 18 years or so. I love uh, growing in this community uh, with you guys over the years, and I get the privilege to, to share with you this morning. Uh, Jay has a, a planned event with his family. It's spring break for his, his kids in school, and so they're spending some uh, time away, and then I get to share this Sunday, and Brent gets to share next Sunday, and so um, hopefully we'll uh, color coordinate next Sunday as well. That would be special. That would be, that'd be really neat. I, hopefully you had a good week this week. Um, I'm looking forward to this next week. This next week is a personal holiday for myself. March Madness, if you're unfamiliar, college basketball uh, is this week, and I literally take off work so I can watch basketball all day long, Thursday through uh, Saturday. Uh, of course, I'm here on Sunday. Uh, but it's a personal highlight of mine. And so actually, the, um, if you're unfamiliar, we do a North Bible Church uh, bracket challenge here. And so once the, the brackets come out, we'll actually email those to you either tonight or tomorrow morning. You can send those in. And we post them on the wall in the cafe. And people can come and, and watch and see how people are scoring their games and stuff like that. We give away a $100 gift card. Uh, to the winner, and we've had our past winners up here. There's, there's Ashley Troxel. She's in the room. She won one year. She knows nothing about basketball. <laughs> My daughter won one year, never watched a game. Aaron Anderson even won one year. I mean, if that, that should tell you something. But, of course, uh, Bill Vite is the reigning champion. He's going to try and uh, keep, keep that uh, for himself this year. But that email will come out, or you can get those brackets to us, and we'll p- post them in there. It's just a fun way for our church community to just be involved and, and uh, have a little, little fun together. Uh, like Brent just said, we have a two-week series today uh, called, uh, that we're starting today called The Invitation. And this was, uh, like he said, uh, prayed over, thought about uh, for a few months now, um, started in our staff retreat as we were meeting, thinking, praying together, and I'm going to kind of give you the short version of why we landed on this series and, and why we wanted to put this and, and the timing of, of it all. So as we were discussing as a staff, we, um, you know, we talked about the fact that the last couple years at North, as well as all churches within our country, have lost around 30 to 40 percent of attendees across, across the board. That was no different here at North. Folks just left and then some never came back or they're continuing to watch online or whatever it is. And so um, as part of that, uh, we, we know that we need to mourn that loss. And so we do, we mourn that loss. Uh, but at the same time, we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, where are we going now? So then part of that is celebrating who is still here, who is still involved at North. And so we celebrate you, we celebrate you online. And then we get to, to talk about what it means for us to go forward. And so what does moving forward look like. One of the things that moving forward looks like is saying yes to the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus that pursues people who do not know him yet. The mission of Jesus that gives an invitation for people to follow him and to be a part of a church community. 
Being on mission like Jesus not only means that we, we as believers grow in our faith. We serve, we pray, we give, we are, attend. But it's also about inviting others to join our community. People who do not yet follow Jesus. And so I'm actually going to give you the conclusion of my message this morning. And then we're going to work back from that. So I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to end. And so I'm going to start here as well. And the conclusion of this is this. Being on mission like Jesus means that we give the invitation for people to come and see and experience and to join our church community. And the Sunday that we're specifically going to focus in on and encourage you to invite people to is our Easter Sunday, April 17th. So we're gonna talk about the why, for why are we doing this invitation, why are we pursuing this path, why is this the direction we're going forward, We'll talk about the how and then the what today, but I want to start off with prayer. God, uh, we give you this time, uh, each individual that's in this room, uh, whether they've been here for a long time or this is their first time, checking things out, encouraged this morning or maybe they're anxious. Um, I just pray that you meet each of us as individuals and challenge us to follow in your mission. In your name, amen. So this message is for everyone to consider, right? So if you're in the room right now and you don't know where you stand with faith, you're unsure about what you believe, you're confused, you're looking, you're trying to, you're curious, you're trying to find what's going on, I would encourage you that this message is for you. This message would be for you to consider what it would mean to follow Jesus for the first time. What would that look like? Listen to the heart of Jesus today as we look at our passage. And if you're a follower of Jesus who for whatever reason right now you're struggling, you're anxious, you're depressed, you're giving in to fear or doubt or sin or a faith that just for some reason feels empty, I invite you to allow this to be a charge to come back to Jesus with a renewed spirit and renewed hope because Jesus loves you exactly where you're at. And if you're a follower of Jesus and frankly feeling pretty excited about that and you feel like you're growing and you're content in your faith, this is also for you to consider what it would mean for you to continue to take steps in your faith. The invitation for everyone here today is to consider the heart of Jesus and particularly his heart for people who do not yet follow him. A heart like Jesus to invite anyone and everyone into a saving knowledge of him. And part of that process means inviting people to join our community here at North. So we're going to discuss the why. Why are we talking about this today? And then the how and then the what of this invitation. Specifically an invitation to invite people to Easter Sunday, April 17th. And for the why, we're going to look at Luke 5. Uh, Luke 5, 27 through 29. If you want to turn in your Bible, it's going to be up on the screen. But the context of this passage we're going to read today. Just before this, Jesus has begun his uh, ministry. He started teaching. He started performing miracles. He started healing. He started calling disciples to follow him. At this point in the, in the scripture, we have an invitation to Simon Peter, who gets up and follows Jesus, an invitation to James and John to be disciples of Jesus. And then what we're going to see in our passage today is Jesus asks Levi, or other no, otherwise known as Matthew, 
And at this point, Levi is clearly a sinner who spends a lot of time with sinners. And yet Jesus gives him an invitation, an invitation to follow him and also join the other disciples. So verses 27 through 39, it reads like this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples by saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. So let's talk about this passage. We see Levi, an unpopular, unfair, unreligious, and uneducated person that Jesus invites to follow him as his disciple. Now, he's unpopular because he's a tax collector. He's working for the government to collect money in his local community. And he was unfair because most tax collectors stole extra money to fill their own pockets. They took what the government required and then they took more just so they could get rich. That made him unpopular and unfair. And he's unreligious. He's called a sinner and he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. And he's uneducated. He's uneducated in the ways of the church and of faith and of religion. And Levi responds. He leaves his his tax booth immediately starts following Jesus, and what, is, what does he do? He throws a banquet. He throws a party and invites a lot of people to come and join him, the disciples, Jesus, and a bunch of other unpopular, unfair, unreligious, and uneducated people to eat and drink with Jesus. I don't know about you, but it kind of sounds like a good time. Then while at this party... Apparently the Pharisees are there as well, or they're at least close by. And to get Jesus' attention, they challenge him on what he is doing, specifically challenging Jesus, condemning hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus' response is this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the Pharisees aren't done. They challenge him again, wondering why he, his disciples are not fasting like the, 
the people who followed the Pharisees or the people who were following John the Baptist, they were, they were fasting. And they said, instead, you're eating and you're drinking. And Jesus essentially says, now is the time to celebrate me and with me, in relationship with me, because soon I will leave. And at that time, there will be a time for fasting, but because it's about me, enjoy your time with me. And then he gives this interesting parable. I'm not going to pretend to know everything about this parable. Parables are kind of a little more difficult to understand in some ways, but I know what Jesus is trying to say here as a bigger picture. There's the parable of the new clothes, new wineskins and wine in comparison to the old clothes or garments, wineskins and wine. I believe what Jesus was trying to communicate here to the religious leaders is that your old ways of ritual, regulation, and rule with a little Jesus sprinkled in is not compatible with each other. So he's speaking against the rules, rituals, laws with a little Jesus sprinkled in when it's all about a newness in Jesus. And he's also speaking to the rest of the crowd at the party. He's saying to them, the pleasures of this world with a little Jesus sprinkled in is incompatible. So he's speaking both to the, par- the Pharisees as well as the rest of the people at the party, and he's calling them to full, complete turnaround and surrender unto him. Relationship with Jesus is all that matters. It was no ritual, rule, religious act, or pleasure of this world that can give hope, peace, and love. Only Jesus. And that is why we invite others to join us. Because it's what Jesus did. And it's what he calls us to do. Jesus gives an invitation to follow, to come and see, to experience. So let's talk about that for a minute. More specifically, inviting a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, your barista at Starbucks, to church, specifically Easter Sunday. And we're going to talk a, f- a few minutes here about what that isn't, or maybe reasons why we wouldn't want to invite someone to church on Easter. You might say to yourself, well, Easter, isn't that a little cliche? Because a lot of people are already going to church on, on Easter, or maybe they already have plans. Uh, but I think it's the perfect time. Because obviously there's, for whatever reason, more of an openness to attending church on Easter Sunday. So we're going to specifically target that Sunday as people would be more open to that. Maybe you wouldn't ask someone to come on that Sunday because of, for fear of rejection. Unfortunately, rejection is a part of life. And if, so, if you do ask someone, you extend an invitation and they say no, it might sting but you're in good company. I mean, Jesus, his disciples were rejected quite often. Brent took the students to Kierland a couple weeks ago to walk around Kierland, think, pray about who they may have a discussion with. And if they felt led to do so, ask if they could pray for people walking around. My son specifically was talking with a guy about his car and you know, the conversation was fun and then Bryson says, can I, can I pray for you? And the guy was kind of like, no. And it ended the conversation. That was rejection. Didn't feel great. He knew he did the thing that he was supposed to do. 
that we shouldn't ask because we may have a fear of rejection. Now, I was rejected a lot, specifically in high school as a basketball player. I got my shots rejected quite often. Here's a picture of myself, actually, on the far left there uh, with the arrow. Uh, I'm flexing as hard as I can. And I have hair, which is interesting. Um, I am on my tippy toes in this picture, by the way. You can't tell, but I am. And the guy next to me, Terrence, with the other arrow, he's, he's my good buddy. Uh, he is actually uh, scrouching down because he was insecure about how tall he was. He was 6'10". And actually, he ended up playing for the Houston Rockets for a number of years uh, professionally, had a great career. I think there's a picture there, Ben, right there. That's Terrence Morris playing for the Houston Rockets. So I had to play against Terrence every single day in practice. I promise you, more than 50% of my shots were blocked, rejected by him. Not to mention a shot that doesn't get rejected and it probably didn't even go in, the basket. But rejection is a part of life. We might hear a no. You might say to yourself, you know, I don't, I'm not really into asking people to come to church because it, it might change the relationship I have with that person. I've built up, you know, a, to a place where we're comfortable, we enjoy each other. That might, it might change it. Well, first of all, it might not. It might make it better. But if it did, is that a reason to not ask? And plus, if you're a genuine friend with them, if they say no to you, and even if they perceive your relationship to be different, it doesn't have to be different from your perspective. You might not ask because it's awkward, frankly. It's an awkward social interaction. But I love when things get awkward. My wife likes to tell a story about I'm going to eat at a fancy restaurant with the other providers that she was working with and spouses were there and I'm sitting next to the owner's wife of the company. We're getting towards the end of the meal, we're having a conversation and I decide that she's probably done eating what's on her plate. And I'm like, you know what, that looks, that looks pretty good, can I, can I, and I just, you know, take and eat. I thought she loved it. She was laughing, she probably considered it a compliment that I liked what she ordered, right? My wife said that was too awkward. I shouldn't do that anymore <laughs> going forward. It might be awkward to ask someone. Embrace it. Push into it. You might say to yourself, I, you know, what if I invite someone to church and then it starts a spiritual conversation? And what if I don't have all the answers? Well, first of all, no one does have all the answers. And this isn't an invitation to an information bank. It's an invitation to a community of people that can love them and point them to Jesus. Moses didn't have all the answers. He even struggled in his speech. And he was God's representative to God's people for a long time. What about your reputation at church? With your friends here, your family here. What if you invite someone that someone else may be a little uncomfortable with? And to that I would say, Jesus associated with people that made the Pharisees very uncomfortable. Made a lot of people uncomfortable. What about, what would you say, will they have a positive experience at North? What, would they be greeted well? Would they be treated well? Would they think it's hokey, funny, silly, weird, 
Maybe, but that's part of our goal is as we talk about it today, that we set our hearts and minds on being a place that would welcome anyone that comes in the door. What if they're different than the people who normally attend our church? And to that I would say no matter their culture, race, lifestyle, reputation, or economic status, everyone deserves a community to be loved and accepted. You may say to yourself, this might become a long commitment if I invite them, and they come. It might be. It might be a long commitment to a relationship that is new and changing and growing. Are you willing to step into that? You might say to yourself, I'll have less time with my friends at church on that Sunday or any subsequent Sundays that they would come after. Yeah, probably. If you host someone, you have them there, you're introducing them to people, but hopefully over time, and they continue to come back, continue to join themselves to this community, that they'll have a bunch of other friends. And you'll also get to spend time with your church family. What if they don't come back? What if they come on Sunday and don't, don't come back? That's, that's their choice. Continue being their friend. You might say to yourself, I can't invite that coworker because I've made some pretty bonehead mistakes in front of them. And it might actually seem a little hypocritical if I, they know I go to church and I invite them to my church community because I've done some, done some shady things or some things that they would question. And to that, I would say, first of all, repent and have a relatable discussion with them and just say, hey, I'm gonna invite you to church. Love for you to come. I'm not a perfect person, but this place helps me in my faith and grow, even when I make dumb mistakes. That's a pretty relatable conversation. They might feel tricked, you would say. Okay, this two weeks, we're encouraging you to invite people on Easter Sunday, but th- that's what... Everyone's supposed to be encouraged and challenged to do. What if they feel tricked? Well, first of all, we're going to be over the top on Easter Sunday. We're going to say out front, hey, we've encouraged our folks to invite you today. We're, hope, we're glad that you're here. Uh, this is not a fluke. Like, we're just going to try and be ourselves as best as possible. And then also, to help them not feel tricked, tell them exactly what they're going to experience when they're here. This is how people dress. You know, a couple people wear masks, most people don't. We're going to have coffee. There's going to be donuts after the second service. There's usually a few songs, announcements, a sermon, and then another song. Like, help them know what to expect when they're here. So they don't feel like they're being tricked and they have proper expectations. And this is, this is a difficult one that you may not want to invite someone to Easter Sunday is because it will interrupt your normal Easter experience. A lot of people do a lot of family things. A lot of people have traditions. A lot of people have ideas of what that day they want it to look like. And to that, I would point to Luke 14. 12 through 14 says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back, and so you will get repaid. But... When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And I think Jesus' point here is to tell us that if we extend that invitation, if we invite other people into our lives, our church community, it may cost us something. 
it may, we may have to sacrifice something and not get repaid back. So let's talk about the how. We talked about the why. We went to Jesus' invitation to Levi, Levi as a sinner to follow him. So let's talk about how. So how to give an invitation. And we'll also kind of talk about what, it's, what this invitation is not. Your invitation for someone is not a lecture, a presentation, or a sermon. It's a simple invite to come and see and experience. This invitation is not a guilt trip or an expectation that someone says yes. This isn't a relationship that you have done something for someone and now you're leveraging it so they can attend church on a Sunday. It's an open-handed, without pressure or manipulation, invitation. This invitation is not something to check off your spiritual list. Get a little notch in your belt for you, you had three people come to Easter Sunday or whatever it is. Sometimes, consciously or unconsciously, we, we play the Christian thing, right? To look good for the people around us. I remember as a freshman in high school, this is an embarrassing story. Freshman in high school, we're at youth group. Youth pastor says, open to John 1. I'm opening my Bible that is crisp and clean and looks like it's, you know, pushed the dust off of it because I didn't read it very much. And I got my buddy over here. He's opening this, you know, Bible that pages are falling out and he's got notes and, you know, things from the sermon last Sunday and all these different things. And I'm like, huh. I need to step up my Bible game. I didn't read it more. I just brought the Bible home, beat it up a little bit, ripped off the cover, duct taped it back on, highlighted some verses I didn't know what I was highlighting so I could play the part. Dumb, right? It's not about looking like a good Christian. It's about being in love with Jesus. So this invitation is to a commitment to a relationship. This re invitation is not for you. It's for God's kingdom. This invitation is not to get someone into the building and let them fend for themselves. Oh yeah, there's my friend over there. I haven't said hi to him, but he's here. Hopefully he has a good experience. No, host them, advocate for them, engage with them, introduce them to the other folks. This invitation is not complicated, it's quite simple. Everyone likes to be invited to things. You know, whether it's a golf invitational or a birthday party, it may be a compliment to invite them. This is not a, an invitation that's a project to be completed because no one likes to feel like they're someone's project. This invitation is for a person to belong and be known. So we will do this with simple invitation. Now I want you to consider something this morning. Let's make it a little bit more personal for you rather than church as a whole. Who is the person in your life that would be the easiest for you to invite? Maybe you have someone come to your mind. I would encourage you to invite them. Maybe you don't have someone that comes to your mind that would be easy for you to invite. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask your spouse. Ask your friend. What do you think? Who do you think that would be? Also want you to consider this. Who in, in your life would be the hardest for you to invite? Who would be the most difficult? Let me ask the question this way. Who would be the hardest person for you to welcome into our church community, whether you invited them or not? 
Because if we're to be a place where all are welcome, then we need to come to grips with the fact that we need to be a loving environment to whoever walks in the door. Could we do that? Could anyone walk in the door and they would be received with love as we point them to Jesus? This is important. Do you want everyone at our church? Before they love Jesus, before they look the part, before their behavior changes, before their language changes, before they change their ways, their thoughts, ideas, or their language. Who needs Jesus? Everyone. Let's be a community to love with grace and truth. Grace and truth cannot happen without relationship. Relationship with Jesus is what matters most, right? Relationship with others is second and similar. And what it requires is love. Jesus loved us just the way we were and just the way we are. We are to do the same. I like the quote by D.T. Niles where it says, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And we're gonna, I'm going to read for you the first part of 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to do something as I'm reading this passage. I want you to think about that person or those people that you would have the hardest time welcoming into our church community as I read this passage. And if you, if you don't have someone coming to mind, let me help you think of some folks who may be a little bit more difficult. Or maybe this would be common in a lot of churches for people to have a harder time accepting. And this is not a statement on judgment, but this is where some people would get tripped up the easiest. What about a coworker that you just don't like very much? What if they joined our church community and were here on a regular basis? What about that person who has that social media presence that you still have to interact with that you just, it just bugs you? Would you want them here? Part of our church community. Maybe a local political figure that you just absolutely disagree with. Would you want them at North? What about people of different ethnicities, cultural backgrounds, beliefs? Would you want them at North? What about the LGBTQ community and their allies? Do you want them at North? Your nemesis at school? Do you want them at North? Atheists, people of other religions? Do you want them at North? Druggies, potheads, homeless community, do you want them at North? So as you think of those people that you may have the most difficult time with, accepting in love, grace, and truth into our community, keep that person or those people in mind as I read this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I, forget, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. 
is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I think sometimes we need to remember that we're all sinners. And if for those of us who follow Jesus, we're sinners who are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance for us to do. So we've talked about the why. We've talked about the how through the invitation. Let's talk about the what. What is North going to do to come alongside you in your invitation? So we're going to unashamedly share the gospel, preach about Jesus, Easter, and through the next series. But the next series following Easter immediately for six weeks, the last Sunday in April and then the five Sundays that we have in May, is going to be a series called Open House. It's going to be an invitation for those six weeks for us to continue that conversation, relationship, invitation for those who may come to Easter or if they don't come, they can come to this series. And this series is specifically designed to take God's word and apply it to felt needs of people in our community who may not have any church background, may not know any church language, may not know the words to say, the history behind any of it, but they are coming because we're addressing things that would hit, hit them in their heart and in their head. We take God's word and apply it for those six weeks called Open House. And on that April 24th, the Sunday after Easter, we're going to have a bunch of food trucks out front here, give away free food, lunch, invite people to come back and be a part of that, be a part of that series, have a meal. Then I would encourage you, let's just say best case scenario, you invite your neighbor. Neighbor comes on Easter. And then they have a good enough experience, something you know, touches their heart or their mind or whatever, or they just enjoyed the people here, or maybe it was the donuts or whatever it is. They come back the next Sunday, they, they have lunch with us. I would encourage you the next Sundays after that, Go to, over to Kierlin with them after church. Invite them into your home. Continue that relationship with those folks. But a topical series using God's word over that six weeks that will challenge us as individuals who are already here at North and then the folks who will come in will be a very relatable series for them. We're going to also provide a community of grace and mercy. And no matter who walks in the door, we're going to commit to one another to be gracious to be caring, to get to know them, learn their name, learn something about them. We're going to provide ways for people to serve the community and the world. One of the things that's the easiest translation 
for someone who is unchurched or doesn't have a faith. If, if, they, if they ask me what I'm doing as a, as a job and I say I'm a pastor, sometimes I kind of get like a, huh, look. But if I can say to them, I get to be involved in the wells that we drill in Guatemala for folks who don't have clean water. We have an orphanage in Tanzania that we get to support. We build houses in Mexico. Those types of things, people are like, okay, I can, I can understand that. Like that to me makes sense. So what we're gonna do over that six week period is offer different ways for them to be involved to serve the world and the community. We're gonna preach the gospel unashamedly over that six week series, the open house, open up God's word, preach the gospel because we're not looking for a self-help series because we have the hope that's found in Jesus and unashamedly point people to him. And Brent's going to speak next week. Like we said, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. He's super jazzed about uh, teaching next week. He loves to, to teach in that way. We've been talking a lot this week about it. But like I said at the beginning, I, was gonna give, I gave you my conclusion. So we'll finish with this. Being on mission like Jesus means we give the invitation for people to come and to see and to join our church community without any strings attached, with an atmosphere of love and acceptance. And the Sunday that we want to point people to is Easter Sunday, April 17th. Let's think and pray and push ourselves, encourage each other to do just that, extend the invitation, and let's be a place where we open our arms to anyone who comes in. How awesome would it be if this place was packed with people who've never been here before, who maybe haven't stepped foot in a church since they were a child. Maybe they were hurt by someone in the church and yet because their friend invited them, they're here and we get to show them who Jesus is. How beautiful would that be? How powerful would that be if they continue to come back and lives were changed and impacted? That would impact our lives and change our lives. So that's our hope as we go forward. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you first uh, loved us, pursued us, gave us the opportunity to follow you. You are the reason for our hope and our peace. So this morning, as we point ourselves to you in your scripture, as you invited Levi to follow you, this morning, right now, maybe in our heart of hearts, someone in the room right now is feeling an invitation to follow you and that they would recognize that, see it, know that they need a savior and accept that invitation even right now as we speak. Maybe the folks who have been discouraged or anxious are finding encouragement in you and a new, a new spirit in you. I thank you for that. Continue to grow us and challenge us and allow each of us to take seriously what it means to give out an invitation to your community. In your name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. We have our prayer partners over here. If you would like to be prayed with, prayed for, you can also submit those requests in the back on the table with the cross there, or you can put them in offering, or you can submit those online. 
Uh, I don't know if you've heard the phrase or not before, the um, love the sinner, hate their sin. Love the sinner, hate their sin. That always resonated with me. It seemed to challenge me, encourage me, until I heard uh, Francis Chan, an author, speaker, change it. He said, our call isn't to love the sinner, hate their sin. It's to love the sinner, hate our sin. Love the sinner, hate our sin. So I encourage you, challenge you to consider what it would mean to love those around you and continue to grow in your faith and extend an invitation like Jesus did with Levi. I love you guys. We'll see you around. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.